You can save 15% or more at Amazon when you pay with Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv. You can set your own discount. 5% gets you fastest delivery, or you can set it to 30% or more if you're not in a hurry. Purse makes it so easy to save money at Amazon by buying with crypto. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv and start saving now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of November 17th, 2019. The podcast that sees the signs but can't read. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's over-homogenate the news of the bogus. For literally decades, people wanting to ban guns and being infuriated that the Second Amendment doesn't allow that have tried the traffic of suing gun manufacturers. The latest incarnation of that is Remington, makers of the Bushmaster XM-15, one of the two weapons used in the Sandy Hook shooting, the other being a Glock 20 SF handgun, the Soto which has just incredibly been given the go-ahead by the Supreme Court without comment. By the way, just for the sake of completion, the perpetrator also had a Sig Sauer P226, but that wasn't fired during the shooting. So how is Remington responsible for the actions of one evil person at Sandy Hook? Answer, they aren't. But as we'll see, that isn't the real goal here. Remington had appealed to the Supreme Court over an interpretation of the 2005 Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, despite the fact that this law was specifically designed to prevent exactly this kind of legal action, respondents claimed that their action involves one of the exceptions in the law, which allows action when the manufacturer knowingly violates state or federal law governing the sale of firearms, and that violation causes the harm at issue. In their case, they say that Remington, quote, knowingly marketed and promoted the Bushmaster XM-15 E2S rifle for use in assaults against human beings. Their evidence for this is unspeakably bad. It consists of advertising directed at militaries and law enforcement officers, as well as for home defense, none of which constitutes an assault under the law. Making this action even more specious is the fact that the shooter didn't purchase the guns in question. You know what? This is getting too hard to phrase. So I'm going to break with something I said I'd do on this podcast a while back, which is not to give the name of the shooter in such a case, since a lot of them do it knowing people will talk about them. But in this case, it's just getting too difficult to phrase things without mentioning his name, and we all know it was Adam Lanza anyway. So anyway, Lanza did not purchase the guns he used to commit this atrocity. It was his mother, Nancy, who was murdered by Lanza that morning. He took the guns from her. So it's difficult to see how Remington can be sued for selling the guns to Adam Lanza when they didn't sell guns to him. They sold them to his mother, and there's no indication whatsoever that she intended to use them to commit any kind of assault ever. But according to the Connecticut Supreme Court, that exception applies when they sell a, quote, military-style weapon to civilians, overruling the finding of the state superior court. It was this ruling that Remington appealed to SCOTUS and that they denied. An example of one of these ads featured the weapon without any context of violent assault, which said, Consider your man card reissued. Plaintiff David Wheeler said, What kind of society allows manhood to be defined in this way? Okay, let's think about this. He makes the assumption that manhood refers to assault, reads it into the ad when there's no such context given, and then asks why would society define it this way? Projection much? 
In fact, none of their examples specifically show the guns being marketed for use in assaults since they all require this kind of assumption to be made beforehand, making it all circular reasoning. They also provide an example of how they say Remington, quote, published promotional materials that promised military-driven performance for a mission-adaptable shooter in need of the ultimate combat weapon system. What they failed to mention is that this was an ad placed in a military magazine. Another big point, according to one of the plaintiffs, is that Lanza chose the Bushmaster, quote, because he knew it would kill as many people as possible as fast as possible. No, it was because that was the gun his mother bought. He used that and two handguns, one of which was used in the shooting. Amazing how they never mentioned the handguns. According to Remington, the respondents are just wrong on several levels. Quote, Respondents failed to demonstrate that the capable of being applied test adopted below is supported by the PLCAA statutory text and structure, and they offer no response to the Second Circuit's criticism that this broad test would allow the predicate exception to swallow the statute. Respondents argue that if Congress intended to limit the predicate exception to statutes directly, expressly, or specifically and exclusively applicable, it would have included those words in the statute. But the same could be said of respondents' interpretation. If Congress intended for applicable to broadly mean capable of being applied, then it would have used those words, as it has done elsewhere. Respondents also cannot reconcile their interpretation with Congress's manifest policy to shield the firearms industry from abusive lawsuits based on the criminal acts of third parties. Legislators, regardless of whether or not they supported or opposed the PLCAA, agreed that marketing statutes would not satisfy the predicate exception. This is the perfect example of why we have things like conduit protections in Section 230, so that this kind of thing doesn't happen. Someone commits a crime with a car, you don't sue Ford. When was the last time that Ginzu was sued for a stabbing? This has nothing to do with justice or reparations. It's about people with a political agenda doing what the Constitution specifically says they're not allowed to do. And the Supreme Court just enabled it. The whole argument behind this is that the Bushmaster XM-15 is a rifle of the same style as the Colt AR-15, which is basically a varmint gun. It fires the 223 Remington, which is basically a glorified 22 with some extra powder behind it. It's nowhere near as powerful as rifles used for hunting deer, such as the 308 or the 30-06. In fact, this kind of weapon is known by the gun industry as an MSR, a modern sporting rifle. Its primary market is target shooters. What these people are doing is inferring that these marketing materials must be promoting the use of these weapons, not against pieces of paper hanging at the back of a firing range, but against other people, when there's nothing in the marketing materials at all to suggest that, with the exception of certain ads where it specifically mentions defense. This is not about justice. This is about being able to sue gun manufacturers out of existence. Now they can make one nuisance lawsuit after another after another, none of which they actually have to win. They just have to make settlement fees and legal expenses high enough that the gun companies can no longer make a profit. And don't be fooled by the plaintiff list. This is not being done to the behest of the parents and other loved ones of the victims of Sandy Hook. Those people are being used by lawyers who want to make tons of money and political action groups who want to see all guns banned. 
ads are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit, and so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Another bad ruling just came out of Colorado, where a magistrate judge just opened the door to excessively unprecedented liability risks for claims of copyright infringement. We've talked before about actions being taken by big content providers such as, in this case, music labels and cartels such as the RIAA against ISPs such as, in this case, Charter Communications. This lawsuit alleges that Charter turned a blind eye to subscribers that were pirating protected content and failed to take action against them even when it was aware of them. It's similar to the previous story in that, in any system where there is actual justice, Charter would have conduit protections. They have no obligation to act as either criminal investigators or an unpaid enforcement arm for the music companies. But then, when it comes to copyrighted content, conduit protections haven't really existed since the DMCA was passed. Charter had appealed to a Colorado federal court asking it to dismiss these charges. Given that it doesn't profit from subscribers when they infringe on copyright, nor does it have any real way of controlling them. In most other cases, ISPs have been able to get the claims dismissed. But not in this case. Magistrate Judge Michael Hagarty went completely against all this precedent because Charter's, quote, Failure to stop or take other action in response to notices of infringement is a draw to current and prospective subscribers to purchase and use defendant service to pirate plaintiff's copyrighted works. Please note that when he says notices, he is not referring to court orders or anything of the kind. He is referring to unsupported assertions made by music companies. Fortunately, Charter isn't alone in this battle. 23 copyright law professors just submitted an amicus curiae brief stating that a ruling against Charter would set a dangerous precedent. Nothing in the complaint supports the contention that Charter's failure to act is any kind of draw. Quote, Access to this universe of content and services is the draw for subscribers, and the use by some subscribers of some portion of that service to download infringing material can only plausibly be seen as an added benefit of the service. This is especially true with ISPs like Charter, because subscribers pay the same flat monthly rate for a particular level of service, irrespective of whether or how often they infringe. Also, it must be said that in most places like where I live, we aren't given any real choice. Charter has a franchise agreement with my home county where they're the only provider of high-speed internet. And most people in the country are in a similar situation. They have one or at most two options. The draw is simply that they exist in your area when none of the others are allowed to. And again, this is all just based on unfounded assertions. Quote, 
Consumers, whether they personally engage in infringing conduct or not, could be subject to wholesale termination of their Internet access based on unproven allegations of infringement occurring at the IP address through which they connect to the Internet. And even if it were proven, IP addresses change. They're shared. Courts are recognizing more and more that the IP address doesn't reveal who an actual infringer even is. There are also privacy issues, quote, Moreover, ISPs can be forced to engage in privacy-invasive monitoring of their subscribers' internet activity. What wasn't even brought up, but really should be, is the extensive history we've covered before of completely false claims by copyright holders attempting to scare innocent people for the purposes of extorting money from them. This brief was also brought to the attention of a Florida federal court in a similar case against Bright House. Here's hoping it makes a difference. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age, so go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world, and they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Something else we've talked about before, the problems behind the bogus reasons cops use to make searches and raids without a warrant. And one of the old standbys is, I smelled marijuana. That was the excuse used by the Louisville, Kentucky PD SWAT team for raiding the home of a supposed drug dealer. Fourteen officers burst into the home of Ashley Burr and Mario Doherty in a no-knock raid that ended up with everyone, including three children, having rifles pointed at them. It began with, what else, an anonymous tip saying that a black male named Anthony McLean is growing and bagging marijuana, and that his white girlfriend Holly owned the house. No one of either name even lived there. A quick record search would have showed that the owner of the house is Kevin Hyde, and that Burr and Darty rent from him. Ashley isn't even white. The rest of the so-called probable cause was Joseph Tapp's olfactory sense. He claimed he approached the house three times over three weeks and each time smelled fresh marijuana. There was no sign of marijuana ever being anywhere in the house. Detectives' noses have just proven to be too unreliable for this. As was this detective who claimed falsely in his affidavit that he approached the house just to knock on the door and talk. That isn't what happened. In fact, not a single one of the facts used to justify the raid of the home ended up being true or even plausible and could have been discredited just by doing a quick records check prior to the raid. But we've seen this before. Cops smell marijuana to have a pretense to raid houses, conduct invasive searches, steal cash, cars, and even houses via civil asset forfeiture, all sorts of things. All over one of the most harmless plants on the planet.
We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to de-energize this week's biggest bogani emitter. And this week it goes to Joe Biden, who, completely predictably, has joined with the left in claiming that Section 230, which is nothing more than common law conduit protections applied online, is the worst thing since the Holocaust or something. Here's what he said on CNN, quote, I just think that social media has to be more socially conscious of what is important in terms of our democracy. And part of that is a little uh, truth in lending here. And everything is not about whether they can make a buck. It requires the journalistic responsibility you, as in CNN, have. You can't do what they do on Facebook. You can't do what they do and just say anything at all and not acknowledge that when you know something is fundamentally not true. And I just think it's a little out of hand. And I, for one, think that we should be considering taking away the exemption that they cannot be sued for knowingly engaged in promoting something that's not true. Well, Biden apparently enjoys that exception because nothing's happened to him, even though what he says is in no way true. First of all, Biden wouldn't know journalistic responsibility if it bit his nipples off. Second is this idea that they're not moderating political ends. Of course they're not. It's a blatant violation of FEC rules to do so. And even if Facebook did decide to moderate political ads for truthfulness, Biden Silk would just switch to another tine on Morton's fork and whine about Facebook appointing itself as arbiter of truth. That's not speculation. We've seen it before back in March when Elizabeth Warren said about Facebook, quote, I want a social media marketplace that isn't dominated by a single censor. That was when they took down some of her posts for TOS violations. Then, less than five months later, when they allowed Trump campaign ads he made in response to impeachment calls, that they were allowing false information to be posted. So, yes, she made both complaints in the same calendar year. Next, Facebook isn't a journalistic outlet. It's a social media site where people can have their say. Facebook and CNN aren't even remotely similar. On top of that... We've covered case after case after case on this podcast of journalists spreading misinformation and even outright lying. Many of those were on CNN, including three in last year's Idiot of the Year coverage, and that's after getting Biggest Bogani Metter five times, as well as an Idiot Extraordinaire, which were far from the only times we ragged on their bad or even dishonest reporting. So where's his indignation about that? 
Biden's real complaint seems to be with the First Amendment. And like Warren and the rest, he wants Facebook to censor speech they don't like while allowing the speech they do. If saying false and misleading things should be against the law, then his very statement would be illegal. Biden's outright misinformation is protected by the very First Amendment he hates so much. So that's why only Joe Biden could be this week's biggest bogani meter. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Twins. And now let's contraindicate this week's Idiot Extraordinaire! Trump and the GOP have really been pushing the trade war. It's the basic campaign strategy of any power-hungry narcissist. Come up with some threat, even one that's vague or imagined, hype it up beyond all reason, and then appear to do something about it, while probably creating a lot more damage in the process. But in the case of the Republican Party and Donald Trump's re-election prospects, it seems to be backfiring. The trade war is causing a lot of problems for family farmers like Rick Telez, who wrote in a USA Today op-ed, quote, I am among those Americans who twice cast my vote for President Barack Obama and then supported President Trump in 2016. But my breaking point with the current president came when I realized his trade war had caused 20% losses for the 750-acre family farm I helped run in western Pennsylvania. We produce soybeans, corn, and dairy products, all of which have been targeted by tariffs. We operate on margins of 1-2%, to which made the losses severe. It's causing a backlash in the elections, according to a new study published by the National Bureau of Economic Research, showing that Republican candidates lost ground in the 2018 midterm elections in counties that were adversely affected by Trump's trade war. In counties where workers were protected by steel and aluminum tariffs, there were no discernible gains. The decline in vote share, which resulted in Republicans losing 40 seats in the House and their majority status, was due to many factors, but about 10% of it was due to the consequences of the trade war. And the worst part about it is, this effect is the most concentrated in swing counties that tipped the election for Trump in 2016, or at least resulted in narrow losses. Trump campaigning in these swing districts was key to his victory. If he loses them, his re-election may not be the shoe in it appears to be when you look at how terribly the Democrats are campaigning. The farm bailouts and agricultural subsidies likewise don't appear to have done anything to help Republicans at the ballot box. So farmers are going to be looking for better alternatives. But they might not find them considering that Elizabeth Warren has a trade policy that looks a lot like Trump's, and not a single Democratic candidate has so far campaigned on repealing Trump's tariffs. 
Trump has bombastically advised farmers to go and buy more land and bigger tractors because his deal with China will be oh so wonderful for them. Telez isn't impressed. Quote, Farmers aren't as easily fooled as the president thinks. We are the put-up-or-shut-up type. And for more than a year now, instead of progress, we've seen empty promises. Instead of bringing down tariffs, at best we have seen temporary pauses, and at worst we've seen tariffs go even higher. The truth is that even if China could somehow magically buy 20 billion plus more in agricultural exports annually, the retaliatory tariffs at the root of the problem would still be in place. The only promises I can make are that I won't be buying tractors or land anytime soon, and that, when November 2020 rolls around, if the trade war isn't a thing of the past, there's no way I'll be voting for President Trump. And as for his colleagues, he said, quote, Increasingly, farmers don't believe it. More and more farmers see his trade promises for what they are, hot air into the cold wind. This isn't just a minor issue. This goes right to the districts that put Trump over the top in 2016. It's the worst possible scenario for him. So all of that makes Trump and the GOP this week's... Idiot wraps up this Jug Band Blues edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please go to donate.bogosity.tv where you can give using PayPal or crypto, or subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar to get the podcast and YouTube videos early and ad-free, and you can even support this podcast for free with the airtime extension. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Margaret Chase Smith. The right to criticize, the right to hold unpopular beliefs, the right to protest, the right of independent thought, the exercise of these rights should not cost one single American citizen his reputation or his right to a livelihood. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Christmas time is coming, and the most classic of Christmas stories is A Christmas Carol. But how much do you know about the original Charles Dickens novella? Have you dismissed it as a children's book with one-dimensional characters amounting to nothing but platitudes and cliches? Maybe your appreciation of the book was even muted by those dry, boring, annotated books they made you read in school. My book, the sarcastically annotated A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, uses both facts and humor to present the book in a way you probably haven't seen it before. Giving praise when deserved and beratement when warranted, this book is put in the perspective of its time and shows a dimensional, multi-layered Ebenezer Scrooge from start to finish. Skepticism, history, and even economics are employed to show the book in relation to today in an easily accessible format. Appreciate the Christmas of your youth all over again, Get the sarcastically annotated A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, available at Amazon and on PDF as well.